Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik. Over the last 25 years, I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so that they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. My biggest part, my business partner, Keith, and I started financing solutions in 2012 because of our own experience and how hard it is to get a small business line of credit. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com, or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file that you'll be able to use if you decide to use your line of credit. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is now, not when you actually need it. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Chris Moscovitis from Technology Management Group. Chris is an active speaker and writer and delivers workshops on a variety of topics, including cybersecurity, privacy, information technology strategy, governance and execution, and digital and business transformation. Chris is particularly sought after by private industry, academic institutions, and nonprofits for his ability to explain complex IT and cybersecurity topics in a plain, easily understood and actionable language. Chris's book, Cybersecurity Program Development for Businesses, The Essential Planning Guide, was published by, uh, to critical acclaim by Wiley in 2008. And his second book, Privacy, Regulations, and Cybersecurity, The Essential Planning Guide, just came out. Chris, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Stephen, very nice to be here again. So today's topic is how technology can transform your small business. Uh, and I think... You know, I had a long discussion with my partner, my business partner this morning, and um, I had a Panera that moved in, a Panera restaurant that moved in five minutes from my house. And the area I live in, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful area in northern New Jersey. It's in the lake and mountain region, but we don't have a lot of restaurants or, or places where, we, where I live. It's quite a bit distance for us to have a Panera five minutes from our house has been fantastic. But I was talking to my business partner about how incredible the digital and, you know, customer experience is at Panera between their, their fantastically well-designed app that they have for their phone app to their, uh, you know, they started off uh, uh, two years ago with having a kiosk when you walked in, which is great to there, when you walk in and you see your on the screen, you can see your food is either in preparation category or is ready for you to pick up, to the drive-through, the drive-in, uh, to you know a variety of texting and emails that you can set up. I, it's blown me away and it's just been, I look at it and I say, oh man, this is a really run, real run business. And so, you know, it really fits into today's discussion about how technology can transform your small business. I mean, would you agree, Chris? 
I completely agree. I, I, I think that um, you have the pleasant experience with Panera because they have been able to integrate technology into their business model and literally transform the, the, the business model of just sell, selling retail food into making it an integrated experience with today's life, which has so much of the electronic component in it. You know, in, in my recent book on the privacy regulations and cybersecurity, <clears throat> I have a business transformation section in it and it starts with um, George Wasterman's MIT's Sloan Initiative on the Digital Economy. He, uh, in, in, in one of his speeches, said, when digital transformation is done right, it's like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. <laughs> but when it's done wrong, all you have is a really fast caterpillar. <laughs> and, and that's right. So so in, in, in the example you used, Panera was indeed transformed into a butterfly because they were able to use technology for things that actually made sense and people needed, and it's fully integrated with the purchasing experience. Other companies have not done that. And so they will throw millions of dollars at times on technology that nobody wants to use and nobody really needs. And that's one of the key things that needs to drive the business transformation conversation is what is your strategy? What are we trying to do here? And then have an interesting and innovative and brilliant conversation about what are the technology pieces that can enable this strategy. If we go at it the reverse way, if we say, well, we have all these fancy technologies right now, we have all, you know, all the smartphones and cloud computing and AI and internet of things and everything, let's just throw everything at it, see what happens you're going to be wasting your money and you're probably going to be losing clients because nobody wants to go through a hellish experience with your idea of what technology is. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't even mention that the food is very good, it's healthy, <laughs> and they have creative stuff. Now, listen, if they didn't have that, then forget about the technology. But, right. you know, what's been interesting to watch Panera is um, you know, they started off with the kiosks maybe two years ago. And um, so you had the option of going to the uh, the person or to the kiosk. And they, they made the kiosk really simple to use. Um, and so, you know, they, they slowly kept, you know, integrating more and more and more technology. And I, I think that, um, you know, so I, you know, Chris, what, you know, I think you bring up a really good point, and that is you don't integrate technology for technology standpoint. You integrate technology to solve a problem, correct? Right, to solve a problem or to enable you to create something that, that wasn't there before. Uh, and, and, and that is the really the fundamental change that we're seeing in the past 20 years. The companies that get the fact that, mm, you know what, no matter what it is that I do, that I bake bread, I make sandwiches, but really secretly, I'm a technology company. Yep. Because I have to reach my people using this new information highway. That's how clients are going to come to me. That's how they're going to be serviced. That's how the whole experience is going to be. And by the way, they're going to rate me based on this experience. We have changed the playing field on that as well. Um, so with all of these things came a million problems, but also with all of these things came a million solutions. The question here is you need to have the right partnership between the people that are advising the executive team 
and the business plan. And if you have the right partnership there and have the right technologists and the right privacy people and the right cybersecurity people, then you'll do well. Now, it sounds overwhelming. I know. Who has the money and the time to now be dealing with three domain experts, right? You have the IT people that are the domain experts in information technology. You have the cybersecurity people that are domain experts in controls and protection of your assets. And you now have the privacy people that's saying, well, now you have to integrate privacy by design into everything you do because you have GDPR, you have CCPA, and you have all of these regulations worldwide that are trying to protect our data. And you still have to navigate that business. You still have to navigate your environment while now thinking in essentially a different language. Yeah, I, um, Chris, I mean, that's really where you come into play. Again, you know, I think those three different groups are important, are, you know, issues when it comes to bigger companies, but let's talk, we're talking about small businesses here under $5 million in revenue. You know, most of our listeners, you know, their businesses are, you know, maybe a million dollars or so. So they don't, you know, they have, they probably have an IT person that's a consultant, right? right. And, um, and that, that particular IT uh, guy is probably a, um, he's probably just more of a nuts and bolts guy for, you know, right. fixing windows problems and those type of things. Exactly. Exactly. You know, in your case, I mean, I know that you're super strong in cybersecurity just because of your books. Uh, you know, what in your case, what other areas are you integrally involved with when it comes to small businesses? Right. So I founded the company 32 years ago on the premise that small and mid-sized businesses can neither afford nor can they retain the kind of chief information, chief security, chief privacy talent that you need to integrate with your business plan. So we created the company with the idea that we are going to offer these kinds of high-end, high-touch services from the get-go and then complement and support these services with programs that are affordable and tailored to your business. You're right in saying that there is a lot of nuts and bolts um, not nuts and bolts kind of IT people out there that really maybe touch on cybersecurity. They certainly don't touch much on privacy other than having just a superficial understanding. There's a very big difference between that kind of a crowd that's helping a small business and an actual consulting company that, that goes the full spectrum from strategy to execution. And that's why we've been in business for 33 years. We have three divisions, the division that manages information technology straight up. We have a cybersecurity division and we have a privacy division. And Anna Murray, whom you've interviewed before, she runs eMedia, which is the software development side of, of the business. And they develop very, you know, software systems such as, you know, things that manage the Girl Scout cookie sale, these kinds of stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about a case study. Like, let's talk about one of your clients that's that is you know under five million right mm -hmm. and you know and they came to you um either with a problem or a tip or they might have come to you and said we want to you know we want to integrate this solution or we need an app or something like that to, to tell me a, about that particular situation and, and how it tr transpired well i the the the, the most interesting case study 
has been uh, with a company who will just, let's just call them Acme because obviously we can't use it. Yeah, name. sure, of course. Um, yeah. and, and how they were able to transform their business through the pandemic. So th- th- this is a company that I would call small to mid-sized company. They, they had uh, headquarters in New York. They had smaller offices, uh, uh, one in Virginia and one in Texas. And they were dealing with a variety of supply chain issues that, that have been coming from overseas. So, uh, and they needed to manage all of this. Their, their business is, is, you know, connecting the dots in, 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 in this kind of an environment. And they were making very, very good money. They, and they had excellent IT and they have a great management team. And then the pandemic hit. Once that happened, everything just went out the window. The employees couldn't get into the offices, first of all. Second of all, serious supply chain disruptions started happening. Ships weren't leaving port or things that were arriving at different ports all over the country. There were people that were getting sick. They couldn't unload. There were a lot of problems. And it is at that point that the executive team said, okay, what is it that we need to do, first of all, to keep our employees safe and our company productive? And they were able to pivot on the spot and create a remote work environment that worked for them flawlessly. Now, it helps that we've been partnering with this company for several years and we had in place a lot of the things getting ready to go. Some people were working remotely. There was a lot of executives that were traveling. So sort of kind of like the infrastructure was a little bit in place to make that happen because we were very concerned also about protecting the data of these executives that were traveling overseas. And we were able to take that infrastructure and scale it up to address all of their employees worldwide. So within a period of four days after, you know, the middle of March in 2020, when everything closed down, within a period of a week, I would say, this company was up and running as if nothing had happened. And then it was dealing with customer service and logistics and managing the fact that there was a worldwide disruption. They emerged from the pandemic bigger and stronger than they were before. All of this because they had the, the sense of need and urgency to include this foreign language speaking stuff of IT and cyber and this, that, and the other in the middle of the business strategic plan. Because the executives are not technologists. The executives are logistics people. What do they know about technology? But they knew enough to say, hey, we got to bring people around this table that know how we can connect and make this happen. Yeah, the issue you have, though, is um, if your company survived um, the pandemic, let's call also what it really was, a recession, well, yeah. um, you know, the uh, you everybody was forced to apply technology more than they had expected. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, I, I've been a huge proponent of, because, you know, I, you know, like you, uh, Chris, I've been in business over 25 years. Um We've both been through recessions before. Right. And, you know, if your company is going to survive a recession, you know, one of the things you have to be able to do is take advantage of that time, too. Right. So, you know, if, you know, yes, you're putting out fires, but if you can also, you know, use that time wisely and plan and really, you know, implement some good stuff when you come out of that you know, you'll, you'll grow much more than you would have without it. So, right. you know, it was those companies that, you know, I think in this case, we were all forced 
to apply technology quicker than what we thought we were going to have to. Agreed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. In some cases, it worked really well, and in some cases, it failed miserably. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, and and it typically fails when you try to scale something that was uh, literally bought on the cheap. And we've seen companies that uh, before the pandemic they were treating technology at best as a necessary evil. The, their view of cybersecurity was like, well, nobody's going to touch me, and their view of privacy was like, oh, I don't understand it. We don't have a federal law yet you know, I'll talk to my lawyer, maybe we'll see what happens. And then the pandemic hit, and guess what happened? None of these things were in place, and these guys are, are scrambling, trying to figure out what a VPN is. It's just not going to work. And unfortunately, this creates a really uh, tense environment for small and mid-sized businesses, which, by the way, is where you and your firm come in really well. I, I heard you earlier speaking about the need to establish a credit line before you actually need it. That, that, that could not possibly be a better advice, right? Get your planning done right. Establish this credit line before you actually need it and then move from there. It is the same thing with technology. You need to have a strategy session with your technology and your cyber people now so that you can plan a transformation that's going to take months and sometimes it will take years. You don't always have the budget to blow and redo everything by migrating to the cloud or this, that, and the other. All of these things take planning and caution. And technologists have been so intimidating when they are talking to business people. It is truly as if you have two stakeholders that don't speak the same language. And what we try to do is speak the same language. Yeah, it's it's a problem because, you know, like, I hate to say it, but I, I wonder if it's better, because I don't think, Chris, you're going to like this answer, but I'll just kind of, not an answer, but suggestion. I. You know, we, we, we just talked about early in the, the, the podcast about uh, come up with, the, come up with the, the problem you're trying to solve and then, and then think about this technology. But I, I think there is some value in, uh, in taking the reverse approach and saying what technology is out there right now that um, others are using that we are not and what problems would that solve for us? Exactly. I, I think that that is essential and it, it needs to be part of any kind of strategic thinking and business thinking. And, and, it, and by the way, it needs to be, in my view, at least annual. But I'll take if a strategy session that happens every two years. In, in a small business that says, okay, what do the competition have? What's out there? Somebody tell me what's out there. What am I missing? Now, the executive that asks that question, what am I missing? What don't I see? Is the kind of executive and a kind of business that will always succeed. Know what you don't know and ask questions and find the right people to partner with you to give you honest answers. Unfortunately, when it comes to technology, there's been so many technologists out there that are just interested in selling and reselling product without really thinking, what does this do to a small business? We've walked into so many small businesses that have wasted so much money because they fell victim to technologists that really didn't care about the business. They cared about technology, 
And they have a company buying all sorts of fancy, expensive technology equipment because they care about the quality of the technology, but they didn't connect this expensive technology with what the business really need. So we had an example of a small business. They had 11 people and they were, they were actually a nonprofit and they were servicing um, a, a very needy population. They had a computer consultant before that had them buy enterprise grade switches and firewalls and all that to the tune of like close to $38,000 for a company of 11 people. Mm. What are you thinking? Mm. Okay, this money was removed from the available budget that this company has to perform their mission. I mean, really, seriously, $38,000 worth of switches for crying out loud for 11 people? But you get the idea. I think I think I think that establishing trust and establishing a strong partnership between your technology people and the technology. I'm using technology in the broadest sense, right? It's there is strategy in technology, there is operations, there is development, there is cybersecurity, there is privacy, there is all of these domains under this umbrella that we now call technology. One way or another, you're going to have to get comfortable with it, and you're going to have to identify people that you can trust and they can talk to you about it. Because that's your business now. There is no escaping this. Thinking that you can escape the, 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 the changes that technology is bringing to the world, you might as well retire. Sell your company and go somewhere and sip martinis. Yeah, you know, the problem with the smaller businesses is the shiny object uh, syndrome. You know, it's like, listen, you know, when you're when you're in your small business, the, you know, the business owner is, is multiple multitasking like crazy. Right. And the thing that comes up on the, you know, the top of this list, the shiny object is what he's working for at the, at the moment. And, you know, you know, I think a lot of the business owners listening would say, yeah, I, I completely agree that we should be planning our, you know, the technology, we should be doing more planning, uh, period. You know, I think, I think, you know, you'd be a fool to say that that isn't the right thing to do. The problem is, is when the pavement hits the road. Or I mean, I'm sorry, the, right. the, the you know the the soul hits the road, the road, so to speak. That you know, it's like, where do I find that time? And and is where what is the priority? And I, Chris, I don't know. I'm not asking you to have the answer to that question. I'm just saying that you know you run a small business yourself, so you know you know what it's like. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I, I, there is no argument there. And that's why it's important to establish a partnership with 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 somebody or somebody's that, uh, that you trust and delegate and get back the information that you need to make decisions. In a, it in does a make it makes it so much easier when you you know when you're like when you're doing it yourself in house you know whatever it is I'm not talking right. about the computer stuff but you're doing it yourself in house and then you you get it off your plate to somebody else and you outsource it and you're like. Ah, it was now it's being done right. Yeah. yeah. You know, now it's being done. You know, I mean, and my own company, we're at fault of this where, you know, we, we're just, we try to do too much in house because we want to save some money. And in the long run, we're not saving enough money. I mean, we're not saving money, you know, you're wasting your time trying to do something that's not in your domain expertise. Yeah. My Um, worst, my, and the worst part about it is, you know, we're, we're just not that good at it either. That's right. The the trick here, and and I think where where most people suffer, is uh, it is very difficult to identify the right partner in in 
doing all of this. I and agree, that, I, uh, Chris. That, I have been, that's I've been, difficult. I agree. You know, I've been through five digital marketing agencies. Right. In, in uh, you know, I don't know, 11 years. Right. You know, it's there, you know, and it's not me. <laughs> I'm no, telling no, you, no, it's, it's not. not me. It's, you know, something at the time that they either screwed up on or they just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I will tell you this in the defense of all technologists out there. Um, you know, this is a very difficult business. Being in the tech business is a very difficult business. The hours are insane. Uh, because most frequently you have to work overnight or over weekends when you can take people's sites offline to work on them. Uh, the education requirements are really significant. The constant certifications are also a requirement because you have to stay on top of your profession. So now you have somebody that is essentially underpaid because the, the value of technology services is not high. Here's an example. Uh, nobody will blink twice if somebody said, well, you know, my lawyer charges me the discount rate of $550 an hour. Everybody will be like, yeah, yeah, well, good lawyer. Give me a name. You know, because most others charge $750, $800, $1,000, whatever the number is. What does your technology guy cost? Well, my technology guy is $75 an hour or $100 an hour, $125 an hour. Yeah. You know, but that has no, no no correlation between the value of that the technology is bringing to the business and the services that you are receiving. So the technologies are going keep always keep trying to add more and more and more clients. And if you are in the small business space, the harsh reality is that the small business has almost identical service requirements as a business ten times its size. Hmm. So the requirements don't go up. If you if you are a business that has 10 people, you will require information technology resources at X level. If you are a business of 50 people, you will require not 50 times X, but you will require or five times X, you will require one and a half times X. So it, it scales that way. It's not linear. So all of a sudden, you have all of these technologies chasing the next account, and the competition out there is fierce and insane because there is a lot. A, there's a lot of unemployed people in the field. B, the people that are left unemployed in the field are not that good. So what they try to do is they're, they're, they hang a shingle up and say, I'm a consultant. Well, yeah, you're a consultant because you're fundamentally unemployed and you can't find a job in any place because all the best ones have been hired. So now they get into these small businesses because they have very cheap rates, and then the cycle goes on and on and on. Uh, ultimately, at some point, somebody has to dig them out. Yeah, I mean, we have a this scenario where my my IT uh, uh, company that we work with, they've been with us for eleven years, and right. uh, and I inter I interact with them a lot, and they do it. I feel like they do a nice job for for us at a, at a reasonable price. And uh, but my business partner recently you know, had an interaction with them where they didn't do such a good job. And I, I tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. He, he kind of laid into them and I was really worried. I'm like, Oh my God, please don't, don't, I, I didn't want them to quit on me. Right. Because I, you know, I, Chris, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Keith, my business partner doesn't yeah. know how hard it is to exactly. find 
good good people. Right. And uh, and honestly, I've seen it before where you know where you, if you get hard on somebody, you know, and I'm not saying he wasn't wrong. Right, right, right. Um, well, you know that they, you know, they did they did make some mistakes, um, and and he was right, but uh, you know, and 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 uh, and I was like, uh, oh, you know, can we handle this in a way, you know, that that uh, I don't lose this company because they're they're hard to find. You know? Of course, yeah, of course they are. So, uh, yeah. it, you know, anyway, and um, so the. Um, just on a technology front, just, you know, uh, I know we're putting the, the car before the horse, but uh, from a technology standpoint, what are the biggest things that uh, people are implementing right now from a technology standpoint? Uh, th- there is great news in that uh, because extremely sophisticated and otherwise unapproachable technologies because of their price have now become affordable through something called virtualization. So, uh, what virtualization does, and there's the major players in, in that is, are Microsoft and Amazon and Google and so on and so forth. So we're talking about major worldwide players. They have uh, massive data centers that look like science fiction stuff. And they have such incredible computing power that they essentially rent out these computers for you to do anything with. You can shape them and they can become any environment that you want. And this happens on demand, right? So if you need 25 servers for two hours, you can spin them up in Amazon in half an hour and have 25 servers running. And then when you're done, you turn them off and you don't pay for them anymore. That That, that is a, a huge savings. And I have a, a, an excellent example. There's a gentleman that does forensics and incident response work in cybersecurity. And one of the things that you have to do when you're doing forensics is you have to analyze, say, a hard disk that has been... Uh, you know, uh, attacked, right? We, we believe that the, there is a virus or something on that hard disk. Well, in order for you to do this, you have to upload all of the stuff that's on that hard disk on some server and then run, you know, forensic software against it that take hours and hours and hours to process all these bits and bytes of information. Well, right now, this guy can spin up a server on Amazon that is essentially a supercomputer and it costs him like $2,000 a minute to run. But he only runs it for five minutes. And something that would have cost $100,000 if he, if he needed to do it over hours, it's now $10,000. So this is the kind of sav- savings that these kinds of scalable cloud technologies bring. So the first thing that I would say is look at cloud resources very, very quickly, because these things are scalable, they are affordable, they are maintained by large institutions who are invested in security and and they have the technology expertise to keep these things running. So you can reduce your exposure to in-house maintenance costs, acquisitions of hardware, all of the stuff that goes with maintaining an in-house thing. Moving to the cloud is a very good idea, especially if you are a, a small company. Uh, The other things that you need to take a look at is, depending on the business that you're in, look at machine learning and big data technologies, because there is a lot more data about your business, your audience, marketing trends, all of the things that are pain points for an executive. There is troves and troves of data out there that you can use to figure out what the next step is or what the trend is or what the landscape or or how the landscape is changing. 
and you can do this now relatively easily because of all these you know software as a service companies hardware as a service companies all of this cloud infrastructure will allow to run very sophisticated business intelligence applications that can give you the information that was once only afforded to very rich and big companies now you can do it yourself for you know pennies to the dollar yeah um what about is it still the the you know app fund uh, is the apps or is that still a big deal apps yeah so if yeah. you want to create an app for your business is that still a big deal uh it, it is potentially a necessity because people are expecting it so yeah. you, you need to have an app there navigating the app space is a little bit frustrating because the stores available for you to to essentially install the app are under the control of essentially Google and Apple, right? So they have very specific requirements about how this app needs to look like, how it needs to perform, what it can do and what it cannot do. So it's not as straightforward as picking up the the phone and, you know, setting up a a structure in Microsoft or whatever. Uh, Getting into the app means development. It means good planning. It means understanding what the app will do. You have to prove yourself that there is a value to this app. And then you have to work with these vendors to make sure that they comply with all of that. Once it's out, though, and you have a solid app for your business, everybody's going to use it. And if they're using it, you have a captive audience that's giving you even more data about what they're looking for, how they're looking for it, when they're looking for it, how they expect it to be shipped and all that. Yeah, you could have an app and not go through the stores, right? Uh, most smartphones will tell you you're trying to install an app from a third-party unsecured provider. Are you really sure? Yeah. You know, so so yeah. you get into these kinds of, of questions. And there is, there is, there is a, a good thing to have the app at one of the major stores because it, it gives confidence to people that this is not a, you know, an app that was developed by who knows who doing God knows what on my computer. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we have a couple uh, minutes left. So sure. just to start off with uh, uh, Chris, what, what would you, you know, listeners that are listening today, you know, what, what is kind of the main message that you would kind of say to them? Well, uh, the, the first thing that I would say is uh, get, get comfortable with the changes that were introduced during the pandemic and what it means for our work life, right? Uh, the, the, what, what does this mean for office work? What does this mean for real estate? What does this mean for life-work balance? What, how is all these things going to play out? Um, obviously, prognosticators of doom and gloom saying, well, office real estate is done. But, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just as much a myth as it is that we're all going to go back to the office 100%. I think we're going to find that for certain professions and in certain geographical areas, you can have, you know, 30% or more of your employees rotating in and out of offices. Um, so, so there's social changes, there's cultural changes, there's technology changes that everybody needs to, to get comfortable with. In my book, Privacy Regulations and Cybersecurity, uh, in the technology transformation uh, section, I have about a dozen things that you need to look like, including uh, look at, including artificial intelligence, automation systems, blockchain, container technologies, edge computing, hyper-converged infrastructure. Those are very fancy tech words. Uh, Internet of Things, basically a smart toaster oven. 
machine learning and big data and serverless computer, which is all their age. And of course, the thing that we started the conversation with virtualization. Those are areas, strategic areas that you need to take a look at and w- without being too dismissive because people, for example, some a small businessman hears the word artificial intelligence and they say, well, what's artificial intelligence going to do for me at Panera? Give me a break. Go away. You know, I'm not spending money on that. It's That's a mistake. And it shows that you don't understand what AI actually does because you're using AI every day. And the customer that got to your store was using an AI app on a smartphone to find it. So, you know, keep an open mind. Talk to people you trust. Engage in conversations about these things. And then let's see where it leads. Yeah, I like, uh, boy, I really like what you said. I think think knowing something about, all the different technologies that are out there is really, really important. Yeah. You never never know what could help your business, but you got to understand it from a technology standpoint. Right. I mean, uh, a long, uh, you know, a long time ago, when technology started becoming more and more uh, accessible to small businesses, um, I remember I was in um, 18 years ago, I was, I was taking a three-year uh program in uh, called uh, with with Inc magazine and MIT and mm-hmm. it was a, a it was just a one week course each year uh, one week each year up in Endicott uh, Massachusetts where they they picked 60 of the fastest growing companies in the United States even you applied and um, and for a week you had this you know uh, immersion into uh, running a company and this was you know 18 years ago and what they all said is that a small business owner nowadays has to be a technologist um, because you have to understand what technology uh, is out there to help your business and let's face it it really has leveled the playing field in a small business being able to compete against very huge companies because you have access to technology at a much cheaper price than you ever had before. Agreed? Yeah, I do agree. I, yeah. I agree completely with, with, with that. Yeah. So we all have to, you know, kind of pay attention to this stuff. Um, well, that's all the time we have today. I would like to very much thank uh, Ms. Uh, Chris, Miscovitis. Yeah, I did it great in the first time. Then. Yeah, you did. You did. did. It's, a, it's, it's a difficult name. Uh, well, I'm not, I, 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 I'll close by saying this. You know, in, 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 in the book, I have a lot of quotes of, of people because I'm, I'm trying to make all of these topics fun and amusing. One of, one of the things that Terry Pratchett had said, and it's a great way to, to close a, a conversation on, on tech, is it's still magic even if you know how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is so true. Yeah. Despite the very concerning and, and stressful times we live in, it is magic. What yeah. we have accomplished as a society, as a people, as you know, technologists is magic. Yeah. Really. I mean, we are carrying in our pockets now devices that the people that went to the moon could only dream of in science fiction. Yeah, my uh, it, it, that's a really great analogy. You know, my my twenty one year old son used to be, and he still is. He loves magic, and you know, he even after he figures out how the trick is done, 
Right. He's still amazed. That's and, right. And, yeah. And so it, it is a great analogy. Um, so I mean, it's really kind of all the time we have for today, but I'd like yeah, to thank Chris right. from, from Technology Management Group for coming on to today's podcast. For our listeners, you should know that this is the second time Chris has come on our podcast. And, you know, I, I find Chris to be, he's right in his, the, the way when we read our intro, and that is he explains technology really, really well. And he also, you know, and he understands it really, really well. And I think that's a unique skill set. So if you are looking for a consultant um, and, and someone just to kind of, you know, talk to, I think Chris, I would recommend Chris highly, not just because he came on the podcast, but because now I've had about two and a half hours to really kind of talk, well, not that long, two hours to talk to Chris. Um, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Chris, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, first and foremost, thank you very much, Stephen. It, it is truly a pleasure being in, in, in your podcast. I enjoyed it so much because it is so useful and so actionable. And it's a very big differentiator from the thousands of podcasts out there that are just like blah, blah, blah. But I appreciate your, that. Your podcast is full of value. Well, I think I'm if, very if thankful to, to be here. The way I that- appreciate that. And if Chris, and Chris, just on that note, I just think that if you're an entrepreneur and you listen to every single one of these podcasts, you will really be a better entrepreneur. I think our guest, like yourself, is really good. So, Chris, if they need to reach out to you, how, how would they go about doing that? They start by going to tmgr.com. That's T as in Tom, M as in Mary, G as in George, R as in Robert.com. And there are links there to contact us and see all the aspects of the company. And uh, you can always reach me uh, by, by email or on the phone from those websites. We have uh, my, the number is 212-645-2900. Fantastic. Give us, give us a ring. And if our listeners are interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily uh, about lessons for business owners at S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. I want to thank all of you for listening. And please remember that technology is important for your business. It's, it's important that you know how to use it. And it's important to know that it's out there. Everybody have a fantastic day.